I'm Aaron, a forest ranger. I have been working for several years now, and I have seen a lot of strange things during my time on the job. However, nothing could have prepared me for what happened one fateful weekend in October of 1996. It was a chilly Saturday night, and I was patrolling the Mackenzie Pass in Oregon, close to the Pacific Crest Trail. My duties as a park ranger often involved driving through the forest, keeping an eye out for any signs of trouble or wildlife that might need my attention. At around 2 a.m., I was driving and spotlighting, checking the area for any suspicious activity. Suddenly, I saw something move out of the corner of my eye. At first, I thought it might have been a deer or some other large animal, but as it got closer, I realized that it was something else entirely. The creature that ran across the trail was massive, easily eight-nine feet tall, with a silver-gray coat that shimmered in the moonlight. It moved with incredible speed and agility, bounding across the trail in a single leap. I was stunned, frozen in place by the sheer size and power of the creature. For a moment, I couldn't believe what I had just seen. It was like something out of a nightmare, a creature that defied all logic and reason. But as I sat there in shock, I knew that I had to act quickly. I radioed back to headquarters, letting them know what had happened and asking for backup. Within minutes, a team of rangers arrived on the scene, armed with rifles and flashlights. We combed the area, searching for any signs of the creature, but it was nowhere to be found. It was like it had vanished into thin air. Over the next few days, we scoured the area, looking for any evidence that could explain what we had seen. We spoke to local residents and hikers, but no one had seen or heard anything out of the ordinary. Despite the lack of evidence, I knew what I had seen. It was a Bigfoot, a legendary creature that had been the subject of countless stories and sightings over the years. I had always been skeptical of such claims, but now I knew that there was more to the world than I had ever imagined. Years have passed since that fateful night, and I have since retired from my duties as a park ranger. But I will never forget the experience I had on the Mackenzie Pass and the Bigfoot that ran across the trail in the dead of night. It was a reminder that there are still mysteries in this world that we have yet to uncover, and that we should always keep an open mind to the unknown. A powerful, roaring scream was heard by Dana and Charmaine while they were fishing on a dock approximately 150 meters west of the Hoover campground. Located along the south side of Detroit Lake where the Sanchium River empties into the lake. The scream emanated from a point along the lake to the west of where the witnesses were fishing. Approximately 30-40 seconds later, an unidentified fisherman was seen running away from where the scream had originated. Upon seeing him, the witnesses immediately joined the visibly panicked fisherman on the trail, and the three of them continued running until they reached the relative safety of the campground. Once there, the ladies asked, Did you hear that scream? The shaken fisherman replied, Hear it? Whatever that thing is was right next to me. After their brief conversation, Dana and Charmaine quickly struck their camp and drove back to Portland.
I hunt on 800 acres in southern Ohio. The closest town is well over 15 miles away, and I'm about 5 miles from the closest house other than my own. I was in a tree stand during mid-October at around 5 a.m. I still to this day have no explanation for the man I saw walking on the trail adjacent to my stand about 100 yards away. He was wearing a yellow shirt, athletic shorts, and it didn't look like he was wearing shoes it was still pretty dark at this time so I couldn't see super well. It was also about 45 degrees that morning which made things even slightly more confusing pertaining to his choice and outfit. I don't think he saw me, it would have been impossible to spot me from that far and that amount of light. The creepier thing is that none of the trails on our property come even close to any trails on the surrounding properties. I simply have no explanation for what I saw. As the leader of the Special Forces team, I am known by the call sign Phoenix. My team and I have faced countless dangerous missions, but this one, this one was different. We were dispatched to a remote Arctic research station that had gone dark during a deadly snowstorm. As we arrived at the desolate research station, the biting cold seeped into our bones, and the deafening silence of the Arctic wilderness surrounded us. The heavy snowfall had blanketed the area, making it difficult to discern anything beyond a few feet. With our senses heightened and weapons at the ready, we cautiously entered the station. Inside, we found a scene of unimaginable horror. The bodies of at least 50 scientists were frozen, some even partially eaten. The brutality of what had occurred sent chills down our spines. Undeterred by the grisly sight, we knew we had to uncover the truth behind this tragedy. As we inspected around the base, the mist outside the windows obscured our vision. But then, through the haze, we caught a glimpse of something both terrifying and enigmatic. A creature unlike anything we had ever encountered before stood just beyond the research station. Its face was completely covered in white fur, with only a hint of a mouth barely visible from the distance of our cameras, which were surprisingly close despite the treacherous conditions. The creature's entire body seemed to be shrouded in fur, resembling the backside of a snow bear at first glance. But as it turned, the profile of its head revealed a distinct dome-shaped cranium and a sloping forehead, reminiscent of both gorillas and the legendary Bigfoot creatures of lore. Our hearts raced as the creature disappeared into the howling arctic storms. Its screech pierced the air, so high-pitched that we instinctively covered our ears to protect ourselves from its eerie call. Determined to unravel the mystery behind this elusive being, we set out to find and eliminate the creature. But as we combed the treacherous terrain, it became evident that this was no ordinary adversary. It moved with an agility and stealth that defied logic, evading our pursuit at every turn. Each time we thought we had it cornered, it would vanish into the unforgiving Arctic landscape, leaving us with nothing but unanswered questions and a growing sense of dread. As the relentless Arctic storms raged around us, we knew our time was running out. The creature, with its mysterious origins and uncanny abilities, remained one step ahead, 
eluding our every attempt to capture or neutralize it. With heavy hearts and a profound sense of awe, we finally made the difficult decision to abort the mission and retreat. The Arctic wilderness had revealed a secret beyond comprehension, and we were left to grapple with the knowledge that there were forces in this world that defied explanation. Now, my dad was in the army he just retired last October, so we moved around a lot. Went from Washington State to Texas to Anchorage, Alaska, and it was there that my fear resurfaced and haunted me. We lived in a two-story house with a basement and an attic on Fort Richardson, just between Anchorage and a little town called Eagle River. The entrance to the attic was in the ceiling of the hallway right at the top of the stairs. I'd never been up there, and in the two years we lived in that house I never did, so it was a total mystery what was up there. I don't even think we stored anything up there, we put it all in the basement or the garage. Anyway, I always had this strange thought that, like the Goosebumps episode, there was a sarcophagus with a mummy up there just waiting to come out and attack us. This was always just a strange fantasy to me until one day, I was passing under the entrance to go to our computer room back when those were a thing when I looked up. The square door was completely sealed, but stuck in one side, poking out into the hall, was something brown, almost like a stained white something. It looked astonishingly like a bandage. Like a centuries-old, dirty, grimy, blood-stained bandage, exactly like a nightmarish mummy might be wrapped in. We moved out that Christmas into a newer, bigger house across base my dad was high rank, and we'd originally just been eager to have a house. I tried not to think about the bandage or what it might actually be, and avoided looking up in the hallway. I never found out, and I never asked if anyone else had seen it. Of course, it certainly couldn't have been a bandage, especially not a mummy bandage. What would an ancient Egyptian mummy be doing stowed away in an attic in Alaska? But I was like ten years old, and didn't know any better. Always scared the crap out of me staying up at night wondering if he was up there sleeping, waiting, biding his time. The salty breeze ruffled my hair as I stood on the deck of our naval vessel, the Us Valor, in the middle of the vast Pacific Ocean. We were conducting what should have been a routine training exercise, but something felt off that day. The ocean seemed eerily calm, and a sense of foreboding hung in the air. As the sun dipped low on the horizon, casting a golden glow over the water, we noticed an anomaly on the radar. An abandoned cargo ship, drifting aimlessly in the sea, far from any known shipping lanes. It was an unusual sight, and we couldn't help but be intrigued. With our curiosity piqued, we decided to investigate, unaware of the perilous journey that lay ahead. We boarded the eerily silent vessel, our boots echoing through empty corridors as we cautiously made our way deeper inside. The ship showed signs of neglect, rust and decay eating away at its metal frame. The air was heavy with the smell of seawater, and the walls creaked with each gentle roll of the waves. As we entered the cargo hold, a sense of unease washed over us. 
The hairs on the back of my neck stood on end as I scanned the dimly lit space. That's when we saw it a creature unlike anything I had ever encountered. It stood hunched in the corner, its alabaster skin reflecting an almost ethereal glow in the faint light. The creature appeared completely bald, with a thin, sinewy frame that seemed to ripple with latent power. But what disturbed me the most were its facial features, or the lack thereof. It had no eyes, no nose, no mouth, just a smooth, featureless surface where a face should have been. It looked up at us with an unsettling sense of awareness, its gaze penetrating our souls despite the absence of eyes. The creature stood at least nine feet tall, but it crouched low to the ground, giving it an eerie, predatory stance. It emitted a low, guttural sound that sent shivers down my spine. I could feel the primal fear gnawing at my insides, but as a Navy SEAL, I knew I had to keep my composure. Before we could react, the creature sprang into action, moving with a startling agility. In the blink of an eye, it dashed away, disappearing into the shadows. It moved so fast that it almost seemed to blur, leaving us stunned and uncertain of how to proceed. We knew one thing for sure this was no ordinary encounter. This creature was dangerous, and if left unchecked, it could pose a significant threat to not just us, but potentially the world. Our training had prepared us for many scenarios, but nothing could have readied us for this. Back on the US Valor, we gathered in the command room, relaying our findings to our superiors. As we presented our account of the creature's description and abilities, a somber silence filled the room. The gravity of the situation weighed heavily on us all. It didn't take long for the higher-ups to reach a decision. The creature had to be neutralized. We were tasked with tracking it down and eliminating the potential threat it posed. But as we set out on our mission, a sense of moral conflict arose within me. Throughout our journey, we encountered various characters, each with their perspectives on the creature and its place in the world. Some believed it to be a misunderstood being, a guardian of the ocean's secrets, while others considered it a monster that needed to be eradicated at all costs. Among our team was LT, Emily Sullivan, a marine biologist with a deep reverence for marine life. She couldn't bear the thought of destroying a creature that might hold the key to unlocking the mysteries of the ocean. Her passion for understanding the unknown urged us to consider alternative solutions. Conversely, there was Master Chief Frank Donovan, a seasoned SEAL with a personal vendetta against the creature. He lost his brother in a tragic encounter with a similar being years ago and was driven by the need for vengeance. His determination to eliminate the creature put him at odds with those advocating a more cautious approach. As we delved deeper into the legend of the creature, we discovered ancient texts from indigenous tribes, recounting tales of the Guardian of the Deep. According to the legends, the creature was said to protect the ocean from human interference and exploitation. Could it be that we were trespassing in its territory? Our pursuit of the creature took us to uncharted waters, both literally and metaphorically. The journey challenged our beliefs, our fears, and our humanity. We faced near-impossible odds and endured heart-stopping encounters, but we also found unexpected allies along the way. 
With every passing day, I found myself torn between duty and empathy. The creature was not mindless. It possessed an intelligence that defied explanation. As we closed in on our target, I couldn't help but wonder if there was a way to coexist with this enigmatic being, to find a middle ground between destruction and understanding. In the climactic final confrontation, we cornered the creature in a hidden underwater cave. It turned to face us, its smooth, featureless visage almost serene amid the chaos. Our instincts urged us to attack, but as I locked eyes with the creature, or where its eyes should have been a profound realization washed over me. In that moment, I understood that this creature was more than a threat. It was a guardian of something greater than us all. The depths of the ocean held secrets we could never comprehend, and the creature was merely protecting its home from intruders like us. With the weight of our decisions bearing down on us, I raised my hand, signaling my team to stand down. As we withdrew from the cave, the creature regarded us one last time before retreating into the Inkai darkness of the deep sea. Our mission was not a failure, but rather a lesson in humility and respect for the unknown. We returned to the Us Valor forever changed, our perceptions of the world and our place in it forever altered. I am late for the party. Well, I was working as a chef cleaner whatever for a small company. I mostly did all the available job there, so I had to work many hours, also night shifts and so. I worked there for 13 years, and I was in relative seclusion since I was working mostly alone. A lot of hours, and had no private time at all, so it felt life seclusion. So, where do I start? first creepy experience of many I got was when I was working during night shifts, I saw a woman walking by. I can describe the clothes, the hair color, everything. She was barefoot, she looked real 100%. I even started searching for her around since I thought it was real. Only her face was blurry. It would not be so strange if the company wasn't like 15-20 minutes driving from the nearest city through secondary roads in the middle of the woods at night. Also the company was on the edge of the forest, so there is absolutely nothing around for someone to be there. Since then I used to work with the owner dog with me, I know it's not legal, but I was scared like hell. And the animal wasn't comfortable being there, I had to force him to be there. My second creepy experience was listening chantings and noises on the second floor right above the factory. There was I guess there still is some sort of apartment. With a bed and an office, nothing else, and I wasn't the only one that has listened to those strange noises. Some people that took care of the building during staff vacations told me. Many years later, he used to avoid this part of the building since he heard voices and chantings. My third creepy encounter could be a repercussion of the others, since I was sleeping and living in the apartment that I previously talked about. Above the factory. One night I heard, clearly my name. There was plenty of light from the moon, and I remember waking up, and I could see my breath. It was super cold, and that's not common during summer. I failed to explain that I worked there for thirteen years, but just from June to September. I couldn't move, and I know what are you gonna say, 
sleep paralysis, and it was probably that. But I heard a woman, old creepy woman, talking to me, right in my heart. I could feel her breath in my ear, and I swear to God I could see the pressure of her body in the sheets and the bed, like she was lying right beside me. I don't quite remember all what she said, but after she was done, I could swear that I saw how the pressure over the bed was released and heard some footsteps on the wooden floor. Also the door to exit the room opened. It could be the wind since the window was open. Whatever it was it scared the hell out of me. I have never been so scared in my life. I guess it could be sleep paralysis and I choose to believe so I also was under a lot of stress. So I don't know maybe was my brain playing with me. What it makes this even more creepy is that this apartment was loaned to other workers, so some other people used to sleep there during other periods of the year. Some other year, I worked with a woman that used to sleep there before she moved, talking to her. She told me she moved out of fear. She said she could see an old creepy lady. She didn't go into details, but she refused to go in there and seemed to be truly scared. Maybe our boss told her my story so she was conditioned, I don't know. The place wasn't pleasant at all, it's all I can say, I don't know why. I got many other experiences from the place, but I wanted to keep the story short. I also can answer with more details if someone is interested. I grew up in Lebanon and I used to go hiking quite often in the mountains with friends in high school and college. My college camping club decides to do a night hike on Cornet El Sada Blackhorn, which is the tallest peak in the country. The peak is only two miles above sea level and the paths are easily visible on full moons, so we thought it would be fun for a group of experienced hikers. There were some fifteen of us and I took point along with two other friends. The night was relatively clear, but we'd had alerts of high northern winds, so there was a risk of dust clouds passing through. One of those clouds manages to catch us right as we're cresting one of the passages leading out of a small ravine, and we decide to hunker down and wait for the other dozen hikers to catch up to us. That's when we start hearing these scraping sounds from the opposite side of where we expected the hikers and perpendicular to the wind's direction, like heavy footsteps on the loose scree. We're on the top of a mountain at 2 a.m., 15 miles away from the nearest village, and there shouldn't be anything up there big enough to move that much scree with every step. The local rangers had said we were the only group up there that night, too. It keeps up for a good 10 minutes, sometimes closer and sometimes farther away like something was wandering around. We had no idea what the effort was. I tried to joke about calling it, but my friends looked at me like I was an idiot so I kept it shut. Then it stopped. The other hikers caught up five minutes later, right as the wind was dying down, so we told them about it, and they thought we were pulling their leg. We walked up the path now that we could see it, and sure enough we could see a couple of spots where the scree and loose stones had been pushed down the slope on either side of the crest, but we never saw anything else. The rest of the hike was uneventful, and most of our group concluded that the wind had just pushed the loose rock down, but I don't understand how it could have done that down both sides of a crest.
I was nine and my brother was ten. My family was coming back from a cross-country trip. My dad was asleep and my mom was driving. My brother was asleep and I just started to wake up. The sun had just came up and light was pouring through the valley. We came around a bend slowing down a little and I heard my mom curse. We thought it was a hitchhiker at first, crouched down by the side of the road, but as we got closer it turned and looked at us. Stood up and with one stride disappeared into the forest. It was big. Easy eight half to nine feet, covered in light brown hair. The eyes were so big and dark, I just cried. I was terrified. One speeding ticket later we're home. We lived in Mill City at the time. EMT here. One of my partners told me a story about an old fire station that used to be in use. He and his partner at the time were sleeping in the bunks and it's pitch black for them. This fire station kinda looked like the one in Ghostbusters, so I'd say that the building dated back to the 60s. Anyways, there's no one else in the station except for them. Their mini fridge in the room cracked and someone screamed, Bishop, I'm not in the mood, and then the fridge slowly closed. Another one of my partners said that they had a situation that it was at a similar time around the top. All of the firefighters were sound asleep. Sometimes in our bay's garage main doors to station we keep the back doors to our ambulances closed. At that time my partner stated that they heard a loud thump, went to go inspect what happened, and they found the back doors open to the truck and their equipment jumped bag on the floor. This happened a few years ago in August, in a small town in northern Connecticut called Ellington. A childhood friend of mine and I were both working as security at a club a few miles away, and would occasionally hang out for a bit after knocking off for the night. One night at around 2 a.m. we decided to take a walk around the farm property across the street from my buddy's place. We'd done this a thousand times over the years, didn't think anything of it. So we're strolling across a field just chatting, maybe 20 yards from the tree line where this field quickly turns into a swamp when this sound erupts out of the woods stopping us cold. I've been hiking around this area most of my life and I've never heard anything like this. Instantly, all the hair on the back of my neck stands up. It's a tough sound to describe, but basically a very deep, bass woofing wheezing. Almost sounded like a gigantic engine trying but failing to turn over, but less mechanical and more organic sounding. I've seen some decently large white-tailed deer in that area, but this sound was so loud and deep I felt it in my chest. We've both searched for recordings of deer that come anywhere close to what we heard and have never found anything. We turned around immediately and hoofed out of there. I'm sure that sound has a perfectly reasonable natural explanation, but I've yet to find it. That's easily the most frightened I've been in my adult life. In 1996, I had just dropped out of university and was moving home to my parents' place. My tail was firmly between my legs, I had almost no money and no job prospects. 
basically I was screwed. I had an old Jeep Comanche with all my belongings in the back and 200 miles to go. I borrowed $1.20 from a friend for gas and started the trip. I got to a point that was 30 miles from home and was on empty. I pulled into a gas station rest stop and sort of cried for a minute in my truck. I needed $5 for gas to make it the rest of the way and had nothing. There was no way I could call my dad and ask for help. He was already so disappointed. After a minute, I started searching around my truck for change. Anything. I opened the glove box and there were these paper loyalty bucks for a gas station that I never used. It turns out it was the exact gas station that I was stopped at. Dollar four worth of bucks. I found another dollar two in change, put dollar six in the gas tank and bought a coke. I made it home. Fast forward 20 years, I had sorted my crap out and am a lawyer. That gas station hired me as their outside counsel. I got to tell this story to the president of the company. I'm a firefighter and we got a call for an overdose around 3 a.m. to a rough part of our district in the middle of winter. Unfortunately, the patient was long gone and her dealer or whatever found her like that when he dropped some stuff. As we were packing up our stuff, mind you, this is an absolutely trashed mobile home. I hear something down the hall that said lights. I asked my partner if he said anything as it was just him, and I cleaning up he said no. I walked to the far end of the trailer where I heard it and shine my flashlight. I get a reflection out of the window. They have a small tool shed, and it had a flickering light. It piqued my interest so my partner and I go out there. We hear crying and notice the door is padlocked. We cut it, and this little six-year-old girl was in there. She said her mom puts her in there when she gets mad at her. She said she got scared when she heard the sirens and didn't know what to do. To this day I have no idea what happened or where the voice came from, but I'll take the win on it. Edit. A couple people wondering about what happened after, my partner and I took her to the children's hospital closest to us, and we wrote our report and ate chips and a sandwich we took from the lounge while they called a social worker. She was a really sweet girl, the voice was not a little girl voice, I 100% thought it was my partner since it sounded like a guy. My co-worker used to be a security guard for the forensic mental health unit nearby. It used to be a mental asylum and was renowned for treating its patients horribly. There's a graveyard nearby with over 200 unmarked graves for bodies they exhumed on the old asylum grounds. A lot of people would try to sneak into the old abounded buildings and my co-worker and his partner would get deployed to tell them to piss off or to check it out to make sure no one was there and he said very regularly he would feel spirits, see unexplained movement and hear screaming, especially in the treatment and intake rooms. I'm not very spiritual, but I totally believe him. That place has a lot of sad history behind it. I live on the back of an old mental asylum, and there is a covered over burial site not far from my house. 
I came across the burial plot plans with all the names of everyone buried there once and why they had been committed. It's amazing the reasons. Some were just pregnant out of wedlock, or menopausal, or even defiant of their husbands. These people spent over 40 years condemned to an insane asylum, and died there never actually having any mental illness. Very sad. I was in the army, but this story seems right for here. We were on a night patrol close to this weird place up in the hills didn't make us feel good inside, but couldn't tell why. During this patrol one of our squads started reporting movement. When we all got to their position they all looked like sheets. The CO of the squad was holding one end if the radio with it being connected, and to this day everyone in that squad swears that they heard a girl's voice through that radio. About three miles down the hill was a village that we'd visited before, and we had children watch us move to that position before, but we couldn't find anyone during that night that wasn't one of us. While I was in the Marine Corps stationed in Okinawa, Japan in 1995, I was at a shooting range near Camp Schwab guarding ammunition sometime in August. I had just done a radio check at about 9 p.m. with range control to let them know everything was okay. I pulled my poncho up over my whole body because of the bugs attacking me. The next thing I know my poncho is pulled off of me, and I see what would be called a typical gray-looking alien, except that its skin was more of an almond color. It was a very bright night with a full moon standing over me with what looked like four others behind him. What shocked me even more was that it talked to me, but it sounded like one of those adult characters on the Peanuts cartoons like Wah Wah Wah. I remember just becoming unhinged, jumping up, and starting screaming when it talked to me, and then it just disappeared along with the others. The other guy guarding ammo with me woke up when he heard me scream and asked what was wrong. I told him what had just happened, and he looked at me like I was crazy. I then noticed that it was 10.45 p.m., and I was like, what the heck? I know that I did not fall asleep because it was my turn on the radio watch. I know that I did not dream this, but cannot account for the missing time. I did not want to radio in what just happened for fear of getting a psych evaluation, even though an intruder near an ammunition dump is serious and should have been called in. The other marine with me said that he was asleep the whole time and did not see or hear anything until I started screaming and jumping around. I kept quiet about this incident for a few days, but it was bothering me so much that finally about a week later, I told a couple of my friends about it. A good friend of mine that had been out there a day before said that almost the same thing happened to him, except that he had chased it into the ammo tent and when he was just about to shoot it, it just disappeared. He said that he was also afraid to say anything because he thought that people would think that he was crazy. I never saw any bright lights or alien spacecraft, just the aliens. This probably isn't going to be the most spooky story, just something happened to me recently that's kept me paranoid. My parents got ready for bed, 
and I was staying up late on my computer, as always. We said our good nights, and they went upstairs. Not too soon after, I heard a sound from the dining room window. It was as if someone took their hand and went down the entire length of the window with purpose and pressure, like nails on a chalkboard, and the window is too high up for any of the animals in the forest outside our house to do it. Nor do any animals of that size even come close to the house. I don't think any human could possibly be that tall to be able to do it either. My dad can't even reach the top of the window, and he's around six feet. I paused everything and tried to listen to see if I could hear anything else, footsteps, breathing, etc. Because I was too scared to go into the dining room to investigate, I wouldn't be able to see anything in that darkness anyways, but I heard nothing. Just the hand down the window. It was petrifying, and I still have no idea what happened. It's been a few days since then, but no sound has happened since. I worry one day I will stare through a window and see something staring back at me and promptly have a heart attack haha. I do believe this isn't a natural thing, as it was a very odd sound, like it was a bigger than usual hand rubbing my window. I don't see any other plausible explanation for it other than the paranormal. It was a night I'll never forget. About ten years ago, my friends and I were driving in Jackson, New Jersey, headed to Sonic or someplace similar for a late-night snack. We were all laughing and joking, enjoying the freedom of our youth and the open road ahead of us. As we continued down the highway, the atmosphere suddenly shifted. The night air grew thick with fog, swallowing the landscape and reducing our visibility to almost nothing. We slowed down, trying to navigate through the dense mist. Out of nowhere, a tall, ragged-looking man appeared in the road, only five feet in front of our car. It was as if he had materialized from the fog itself. My friends and I all saw him, and we screamed in terror, fearing the inevitable impact. Our driver slammed on the brakes, but we knew it was too late to avoid hitting the mysterious figure. We braced for the collision, but the impact never came. Our car continued to glide forward, and the man seemed to vanish as suddenly as he had appeared. Confused and frightened, I quickly turned around to see what had happened to him, but the fog had disappeared completely, leaving no trace of the eerie figure we had just encountered. We drove to Sonic in stunned silence, each of us trying to process what had just happened. We couldn't find a rational explanation for the sudden fog, the ragged man, or his disappearance. To this day, we still talk about that night, wondering if we had somehow crossed paths with a ghost or a supernatural being. Despite the passing of time, the memory of that night remains vivid and chilling. The experience taught us that there are things in this world that defy explanation, and sometimes those mysteries reveal themselves when we least expect it. When I was around five years old, I started praying to Satan alongside my regular prayers, believing that he was protecting and loving me. My family was very religious, and we attended church frequently, so I prayed often. Over time, Satan started to communicate with me, 
Although it's possible that it was just my overactive imagination as a child, I remember these experiences vividly, including dreams where I talked to Satan. One dream in particular stands out in my memory. In the dream, I found myself in a grassy field with a man who had no discernible features, but seemed normal in appearance. We talked about my future, but in the clouds he pointed out a hand reaching down. A powerful voice boomed, asking me to take the hand and renounce evil to come into the light. I felt compelled to take the hand, and I woke up feeling scared and hid under my sheets. After a while, something gently poked my solar plexus. As I'm writing this, I still get goosebumps because this had me scared shitless the entire night. Sorry for the sudden change in tone lol the following night. I had a sleepover with my sisters in the basement, and we prayed together before bed. After finishing my regular prayers, I started to pray to Satan again, but my sisters heard me and yelled at me, explaining why I should never pray to him and that I needed to repent. Later on in life, after I had stopped, I had my first confession, and I confessed my experiences with Satan along with other things to the priest. I wish there was more to this story, but there really isn't. I'm not sure if this was just a kid's overactive imagination, or if I really spoke to the devil. I have similar stories I can share, but they require a lot more context, and I don't really feel like writing them out, just to have people not believe me. Share your opinion on this or similar experiences you might have. Use ChatGPT to revise this. So if some parts sound weird, that's why. I'll try to make it short, but when I was younger I was in bed with my mother, and we were just jokingly trying to scare each other by telling different scenarios. Suddenly we both heard loud stomps right above us on the roof, and we literally both froze in fear. It quite frankly sounded like a large man walking in circles on our roof with heavy combat boots. The thing is we were in a very secluded native reservation, and the closest people to our house lived about six kilometers away. Also mind you, it was winter time so I seriously doubt anyone would come to our house just to walk on our roof in 17 weather at 11.30pm at night my mother could tell that I was very frightened by what we were hearing, and so she made up an excuse for the noise saying, oh it's probably some dog's tail hitting the walls of our house. But it was definitely not that at all. She even later told me that she only said that to help calm me down. This walking noise continued for about 10 minutes, and it abruptly stopped and didn't continue on after that. We did make sure to lock all doors and windows that night but we both definitely knew it wasn't a physical intruder that was making those noises, but still better safe than sorry. In the end, we both don't know what the hell was walking on our roof that night. Like I said, it was also winter, and so the next morning my mother went out to check for any tracks, and there were simply none to be seen. Even on the roof I have a lot more similar experiences like this, but none have stopped my heart like that night did. We also live in Ontario, so I frankly believe nothing here can make the heavy stomps we heard, let alone even get on the roof. My name is Sean Kerr, 
and I've always been drawn to the mysteries of the night. On July 12th, I found myself near the Willamette River town of Willamette, Oregon at midnight. My trusty dog Max was with me, and we were exploring an area off the freeway where a sewage stream flowed through the brambles and swamp. The arc street lights cast eerie shadows on the ground as we wandered through the darkness. As we walked along the stream, I suddenly noticed a large white creature moving around. It was about 100-200 feet away, bobbing up and down in different locations. I couldn't shake the feeling that it was watching me, studying my every move. It seemed to be about 7 feet tall, with 3 inch long white dirty hair and a head shaped like a massive dome. My heart pounded in my chest as I realized that this might be the dogman, a creature that had been reported in the area before. There were a lot of nutria living in the area, and I wondered if the dogman was attracted to their presence. Strangely, Max didn't seem concerned about the creature at all. He just sniffed the air, seemingly unbothered by the eerie presence. I decided to cautiously approach the creature, hoping to get a better look and perhaps even capture some evidence of its existence. As I moved closer, the dogman continued to bob and weave through the shadows, never staying in one place for long. It seemed almost curious, as if it was trying to get a better look at me without revealing itself completely. I remembered hearing about white werewolf tracks that had been reported upstream on a tributary of the Tualatin River last year. Could this creature be related to those sightings? My curiosity and fascination only grew as I continued to observe the dogmen. Unfortunately, as I tried to get closer, the creature seemed to sense my intentions and suddenly vanished into the darkness. I searched the area for any signs of its presence hoping to find tracks or some other evidence that would prove what I had seen. But there was nothing, no tracks, no disturbed foliage, nothing. Feeling both exhilarated and disappointed, I returned to Max, who was still sniffing the air, seemingly unfazed by the entire encounter. I couldn't help but wonder why he hadn't reacted more strongly to the dogman's presence. Did he sense something about the creature that I couldn't? That night, I returned home with more questions than answers. My encounter with the dogman near the Willamette River was a strange and unsettling experience, but it only fueled my desire to uncover the truth about the mysterious creatures that lurk in the shadows of our world. I had always loved visiting my dad's house in Maryland, especially because of the beautiful country roads and the peacefulness of the area. But on this particular morning, I experienced something that I never thought I would encounter. I had been driving for a while, and as I was coming up a hill, I saw something strange. At first, I thought it was just my imagination, but as I got closer, I could see that it had a face. The figure peeked its head out, and I could see that it was tall, almost seven feet or more, and it seemed to be floating or moving so fast that it looked like it was. Suddenly, the figure darted across the street, and I had to slam on my brakes to avoid hitting it. By the time I had come to a stop, the figure had disappeared. I looked around, but there was nothing but trees, and the light was just coming up, making it hard to see. 
I decided to turn left and head down the road to see if I could find any trace of the figure, but it was nowhere to be found. I drove as fast as I could, but there was nothing to be seen. It was as if the figure had vanished into thin air. I was in shock, but I wasn't scared. I knew the road was surrounded by woods, and if the figure had been moving as fast as it appeared to be, I should have been able to see it flying through the trees. But there was nothing. It was as if the figure had never existed. I immediately called the park ranger, who was responsible for the area. He was a friendly man, and he listened patiently as I explained what had happened. To my surprise, he didn't seem shocked or surprised by my story. Instead, he told me that he had heard similar stories from other people in the area. He explained that the woods were home to many creatures, and some of them were unknown to us. He advised me to be cautious while driving in the area, especially during the early hours of the morning when the creatures were most active. I thanked him for his advice, and as I hung up, I couldn't help but feel a sense of unease. What had I seen that morning? Was it really just a creature from the woods, or was it something else entirely? I may never know the answer to that question, but one thing is for sure. I will always be more careful when driving on those country roads, especially during the early hours of the morning. I am a highly reputable source. I am a licensed English teacher currently working at a large public high school in Oregon. I am educated, am of sound mind, and am not wasting my efforts here on a hoax of any sort. Finally, my most accurate narrative memory of my sighting. I was alone in a two-bedroom residence located approximately one-fourth mile north of US Highway 199 on a gradual wooded slope. On this three-acre property, there are two horse pastures, one below the house and one above the house. Both pastures are surrounded by active hot wire fences and contain two horses which may move freely between both lower and upper pastures. I was completing a research paper for a college class at the kitchen table. I had on light on, and my friend's dog a small brown healer was on a 35 feet wire tether tied to the porch outside the small house. I was completely engrossed in schoolwork when I heard the dog outside begin to go ballistic. I was quite alarmed by this, so I immediately tuned in to the animal's actions. I will never forget what I heard. All the dogs and horses from the other residences, which were quite far away over several rises and ridges, were shrieking non-stop. Wanting to be cautious, I went to my gun safe and removed a large caliber pistol and a powerful flashlight and headed towards the front door. I turned off all the lights in the house and I opened the front door, carefully searching with the flashlight and pistol before exiting. What I saw unnerved me. The small healer was focused on the lower horse pasture and steadily loosing a quiet growl. The two horses had moved to the upper pasture and were rustling about and neighing very unusually. I squatted down beside the dog who did not pay me any attention, very unusual, and pointed my flashlight in the direction of his muzzle. What I saw at this time nearly stopped my heart. 
There was a large figure crouched down outside the outer hot wire in the tall grass beside a telephone pole. My light was reflected back at me by two small circular markers on the pole and further dispersed by the light fog making initial identification very difficult. I immediately thought, bear. To my complete shock, the dog suddenly screamed and leapt straight into the air with its hair bristled. Upon landing, it bolted under a pickup truck and whined like a puppy. As this happened realized that this all occurred in but several seconds, I saw a creature rise up on two legs and begin to move along the hot wire. I rose to a full standing position and aimed my pistol right on it. In my mind I was thinking, bear, no horse, no man, no, god what the f is this thing. I consciously tracked the creature with my pistol sights and flashlight beam. I was a military police officer in the army for over five years and trained in firearms tactics. It all came back at this moment, let me tell you. For at least two full seconds in which time I saw this huge thing take off in a full bipedal run the thud thud rhythm and distinct movement of two legs feet are unmistakable. I was more frightened than I can ever remember being yeah, I am a grown man. And I bolted for the house and immediately armed myself with larger weapons and called my friend's father to come from Grant's Pass. To search for this thing. Upon his arrival, we drove down to the road outside the hot wire where I estimated the creature to have been. Since the road was gravel, all we found was disturbed grass as if something large had moved through it. No footprints were located. For the remainder of the night and into the next morning, all the animals in the small community near Wilderville, Oregon were restless and noisy. The little healer being the worst off, for he did not calm down for a whole day.